Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Empire. South by Southwest and CES are meeting in the sports tech space. Just general fans, we call them Clark Griswold. The, the, you know, men and women, family people that, that really want their kids to experience and, and love sports as much as they do, coming together to kind of like, oh, you want to go play pickleball at this event? Great. You want to go watch some like amateur and professional athletes play? You can do that too. That's what we want to turn this into um, over the next couple of years. That's Chris Buckner. He and partner Lawson Gal created Pocketock, which is ready to launch next year in Houston. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. It is about time that all of the innovation and education going on in modern sports technology found a hub for like-minded insiders and fans to converge. And so the idea of Pocketalk was birthed. Our guests this week are Lawson Gal and Chris Buckner, who are the co-founders of Pocketalk, which is going to be a sports tech expo that is coming next year to Houston. Thank you both for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. All right. uh, You guys both have backgrounds in media, like me, um, and this is very tech forward. So why don't you take us through, first of all, like, how did you land here? Why did you want to do this? Yeah, our our path inadvertently kind of built uh, a nice foundation for this. Uh, And I'll let Buck go after, but... uh, I have less of a sports media background. My, my father has a, a long career in sports media. Uh, mine was more in uh, tech and sports tech. We, we now have a sports tech accelerator that we run. Uh, we did a sports tech SPAC, uh, which was terrible timing, but afforded us the opportunity of talking to hundreds of sports technology companies throughout the, the world. Um, and uh, my previous company was a startup incubator that just coincidentally had a lot of sports innovation activity in it. Yeah, and uh, my last nine years have been in the sports tech industry. I founded two sports tech companies, uh, one in kind of the general sports space and one in esports. But Lawson and I, because of his father, met all the way back in 2012. So we knew we always wanted to work together. And uh, I was leaving my my company before this and. He was leaving his, and, and uh, we had all of these connections to the sports and sports tech space uh, and experiences, and we thought, why not work on something that we love, and uh, we get to work with everybody, and we get to literally be friendly with everybody, which is something that we've also strived to, to do. Um, so we finally got a chance to do it, so we pulled the trigger uh, last year. Okay, so this feels, I want to get into the event in a little bit. This this, this does feel overdue with, with what's been inundated in the sports industry with so much new technology. Let's just go through some of them and just get kind of your feeling on where all of that is right now. Um, and let's start with um, NIL. 
and how you think technology is supporting and uh, off of a changing landscape in collegiate sports. Well, we, funny enough, we have a, I'm going to give them a shout out. Uh, sure. We've got an NIL company that's actually in our accelerator called Market Price. And uh, that changing ecosystem, you know, it's still, I hate the term Wild West because in esports, it's always the Wild West. Uh, but, but in NIL, it's Wild West. You look at like the collectives that are now kind of like going by the wayside. Um, you've got athletic departments, some of them saying like, no, we don't want to run this through the athletic state. Uh, well, we want to try to run it through the athletic department, like our, our my alma mater A&M. And uh, the, the technology is now shifting more towards a marketplace for the brands rather than these collectives in a number of different ways, because there's no regulations on the collectives. And now that they've got, a, uh, you know, it's no longer a nonprofit is not acceptable for these collectives anymore. So I, I think it's just going to kind of crumble on that side a little bit, but now you're seeing these marketplaces, whether it's influencer market price, um, open doors, where they're just trying to connect these student athletes with these brands, but they're really the concentration seems to be more on getting the brands into the platform, if you will, to say like, I want access and the way that I want to see that access is I want to know about the student athlete so that they can go through a database of, I want somebody that's really into, uh, you know, that's vegan and uh, I want somebody that's blah, blah, blah. And they can search in these marketplaces to find uh, who, what athletes they're going to back, if you will, from a brand perspective. When it comes to the general public supporting these collectives, I really don't know what's going to happen. I mean, there's even been hints that the NCAA was going to step back in at some point to try to say, we got to regulate this. Uh, but it, it's just wild. I mean, you, there's been so many companies that have come and gone. There's been so many companies that have pivoted their entire model. So it, it's going to be a weird couple of years uh, to see what happens with this NIL stuff. Okay. Let's talk about, you mentioned esports. Where do you think that is going in terms of technology and audience growth? So my last five years, I was in very specifically the collegiate esports space. And we were actually the software that 100% of the D1 colleges used in order to run their esports programs. And uh, speaking from a college perspective, that's a mess right now because uh, esports don't want to run through athletics. So they're running through like student activities, varsity, rec, club. In the pro space, what you're seeing, like, um, and he has direct experience with this, um, getting a chance to see some pro sport or pro esports orgs, you know, it, is there a, or was there kind of a bubble when it came to the investment side of esports? I think the answer was kind of clearly yes. They were overvalued significantly because these businesses are really making their money the same way that NFL teams are making their money, which is like merchandise, uh, you could say ticket sales, broadcast deals. It wasn't ever about winning the championship and winning a whole bunch of money. It was about the content they were creating, the merchandise, the, the ads that they were able to sell against their content. And so that revenue model is uh, is more conducive to like a traditional revenue model, meaning the multiples, and I don't need to get into all of that. They were inflated to this point that investors were pumping hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars into the esports space, specifically in the pro org space, and the value just came back down. Now, is there a bubble in terms of esports viewership? No, that's going to continue to grow forever. It's not only already humongous, it's going to continue to be even bigger and bigger and bigger. I just, I just think there was a really everybody kind of came back to earth on valuations when it came to esports because everybody just got excited. They saw it as the future NFL or the future NBA, yeah. uh, which is fine. It's just not, it's not defined enough yet. Okay. How about blockchain technology? We've had a ton of guests on this show that have discussed all of its different kind of implementations. Uh, where do you see that going in the near term? 
picketing comes to mind yeah. uh, as ripe for disruption. Um, and and we, we've seen a couple technologies that are using blockchain uh, for that purpose. And tokenizing, the uh, whether it's esports or even pro sports teams tokenizing, like PSL is essentially for the pro space um, through uh, blockchain. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm interrupting. No, no, go ahead. I, I just, the, on, it, it's been such a weird thing. Now blockchain and crypto are, are like tied at the hip, right? Like, and, and now you're seeing block, uh, blockchain and crypto get involved with sports gambling and betting. Uh, if, if I'm being brutally honest with you, we just don't have enough insight into the blockchain space because it, it's just kind of been a bit of a moving target. And so it's obviously going to be here forever. They're going to find ways to put people into digital stadiums through this, this tokenization of uh, uh, certain, whether it's crypto or token or whatever it might be, uh, based on the teams. I mean, you've seen the stuff that's happened in like the trading card space with blockchain yeah. and collectible space with blockchain. And uh, there's some really great companies out there that are doing some cool stuff. I just think that also was like, there was this huge like uh, interest. That, hype cycle. Yeah, hype, yeah, exactly, the hype cycle. And it's kind of come back to earth, but there's going to be a need for it moving forward. I'm, I'm actually surprised on the ticketing front that it ticketing needs some serious help. And uh, it feels like it's taken a little bit longer than I would have would have expected on the ticketing front. But I, I am in no way a pro at the blockchain. <laughs> <laughs> okay, how about wearable technology, data analytics, uh, injury prevention? Um, where are you all on all of those emerging, well, not even emerging anymore, but all of those different technologies that exist in sports right now? Yeah, it's funny. And just to zoom out for a second, you're, you're saying without saying it, but the, the really exciting thing about the sports tech sector is there are multiple multi-billion dollar sub-industries exploding in growth that have been over the last 10 years and will be in the, the next 10 years. And and the uh, you can kind of bifurcate the, that, that subcategory into like the wearables and quantified self movement, which uh, has absolutely transformed the way that people manage their own health and uh, and gather data to then derive predictive analytic insights into their health. Uh, with the whole human performance side of things, and uh, man, uh, Sparta Science, another shout out, uh, comes to mind as an awesome example of the sort of the next phase of like biotech analytics as it relates to human performance, they're a platform literally laying on the ground, like a scale almost, that you stand on and uh, and do different sort of movements on. And based on the distribution of your weight can, uh, can produce predictive analytics uh, around um, likelihood of, inju- of in- injury, uh, different types of in- injury, be that because of like a hip imbalance or uh, or an overemphasis on uh, weight distribution on the, the balls of your feet or whatever. I don't understand it all, but as a guy who's torn his ACL three times, uh, th- this now is able to predict uh, if you're going to tear your ACL and then once you have, helps you uh, yeah. rehab it in the most intelligent ways possible. It blows my mind. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I've given you some sectors. Uh, what comes to mind when you're thinking about whether your own personal investment in companies or growth? What sectors of sports technology are you all interested in? You know, gambling, sports gambling is still not legal in Texas, but that's another gigantic one. The, the neat and tidy way that when people say, well, what, what do you mean by sports tech? When, how we describe it is it's the realm where technologies are disrupting the way the athlete prepares and performs, the audience experiences and engages, and the arena or the stadium houses and hosts. So just to unpack that, the uh, for me, the, the, the way the athlete is preparing and performing for the sport from professional on down to amateur is, uh, is really, really fascinating. We touched on that a little bit, uh, but that can be everything extending into like health, wellness, mindfulness, meditation, uh, the biotech side of things, rehab, rehabilitation, uh, and... Um, well, to, to be a little bit more specific, uh, we're working with a couple of companies and two that come to mind that, uh, you know, if, if I, I had um, just a plethora, I, I know for a fact I'd be trying to invest in, but one of them is like uh, AI in the sports space, uh, photo recognition software in order to... Um, uh, there's uh, the group that we we work with. They're part of our labs program, Miro AI. They already work with like the NBA and the NFL, um, and they do um, photo analy- uh, analytics on uh, finding out the information that's going on in the photo. And they started in the marathon space by recognizing the bids so that they could find the information on the runners. And they've now like grown up so much that their pictures can 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 tell the NBA and their like social team, for instance, that like. Here's an athlete. He is on the upward trajectory. He is shooting the ball. And so it can pull and like out of tens of thousands of pictures in a millisecond, it can pull out like, oh, I want an athlete that's in the middle of action. Uh, I want an athlete that's dunking. I want an athlete that's shooting a three. I want this athlete. It can do that kind of stuff. And it's, I mean, it's just unbelievable. Uh, in the media space, sports media space, Cali site is another one of the companies that we're working with. Um, uh, they're already working with like USA Today and uh, well, uh, uh, most of the media, big media companies, and they provide the tool that the writers use uh, in order to like do their uh, sports betting, their props and stuff like that, their own version of it. So when you go to USA Today Sports and you look at one of their writers and you see like, oh, this is their line, this is their spread, this is their whatever, that, that they're using this tally site tool. And I think it's just such a cool idea of you're supplying all of the writers all in the sports betting space with a tool that automates the process so that <clears throat> across their channels, they're able to put up concise and consistent um, uh, kind of sports betting props and that kind of stuff. One of our companies called Reflection has a light board that trains your rapid eye movement speed and your eye-hand coordination based on uh, lights that light up that you have to touch. And there are studies now that show that you can really make advancements in your rapid eye muscle infrastructure, which is crazy. Yeah. And esports players are using that technology too. The, on the, I know there's a long one to answer, but there's just so much here. On the 
audience side, there's this arms race between how great of an experience the audience can have in the stadium versus at home. And in the stadium, we've got a company we're buddies with that uh, it's called Rivalry Tech. It's an in-seat food and beverage delivery app for stadiums. So it's like Uber Eats for stadiums. Skip the line, not the game. If you're delivering me beers to my seat, I'm going to spend a lot more money. Yeah. The uh, On the at-home side, there are these uh, in-game micro-betting opportunities that come from uh, aggregating historical data and then creating the odds of a specific moment. So like Brady's in a rain game on Thursday playing the Bills and it's third four. And so what are his odds? What are, what are the odds that certain things will happen next based on all of the historical data of everything that's ever happened in the NFL? And it creates an opportunity for you to bet in that moment. Well, it's mine too. It's crazy. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the event a little bit, which will take place next April in Houston. Um, tell me a little bit about Pocket Talk. What are you guys trying to accomplish? You can think of it as two distinct tracks. Pocket Talk X is our sports tech expo, our trade show and conference for the industry, where we will have a packed uh, agenda of keynote speakers and panels on a lot of the topics that we just discussed and more. Uh, networking opportunities, curated one-on-ones based on kind of forms that you fill out of the preferences, uh, you know, things you're wanting to see, startup pitches, product demos, and on and on. Uh, then also a true fan festival with live music and beer and golf simulators and yard games and opportunities really for uh, the fans and fanatics of sports to come and be both a spectator and a competitor in well as wide a variety of sports as as we can pack into this four-day period and that that's a big emphasis is this isn't just the baseball football basketball show this is fan controlled football right next to that golf simulator that's Uh right next to the the world championship of horseshoes and the freestyle trampoline association (laughs) doing their tournament and an esports uh, championship that's happening uh, on the stage across the way, and and that that's the that's how we capture the magic of the World's Fair in our minds is that this almost becomes like the United Nations of sports. There are hundreds and hundreds of sports, many of which technology is deeply infused into those sports, and and we're trying to celebrate and showcase those as best we can. Yeah, and just to go back to your very first question. Well, it was it in your first sentence you brought up something that. Uh, we always want to touch on is that we want this in, in terms of the future and the goals and whatever of, of what this will be. Um, we want it to be a place that like, I'll say it, we want Nike, for instance, to know that every year 150,000 people are coming down to this event. So they're going to have the main stage from, you know, one to two on Saturday where they announce the release of the new Jordan. Like we, we want this to become like, uh, maybe Whoop is releasing their new line of wearables and they've got the two to three slot and it becomes like this really cool showcase of it for huge brands, B2C consumer focused uh, for the festival side of things where it's all about excitement and seeing what's new. And so you've got the mixture of the B2B side, the expo, the conference, if you will, but you've also got like this fan test idea where just general fans, we call them Clark Griswolds, uh, you know, men and women, family people that, that really want their kid to experience and, and love sports as much as they do, coming together to kind of like, oh, you want to go play pickleball at this event? Great. You want to go watch some like amateur and professional athletes play? You can do that too. 
that's what we want to turn this into um, over the next couple of years. What did you pattern it after? CES meets South by Southwest? That's what it sounds like a little bit. <laughs> well, because of our proximity to South by, it's been helpful as an analogy to say this is the South by Southwest for sports. And in some ways, that's helpful because uh, it, it was helpful because uh, South by has such an exciting B2B experience and B2C experience. And that's really what we what we want. We want this to be for the industry and the startups and the investor community, but for, uh, but also for the fan and fanatic around sports or for the, the, the mom and dad that don't really like sports, don't really care, but their kids do, and they're going to let their kids go and, uh, you know, compete in a youth combine while they drink beer and listen to music. <laughs> Lost not the kids, not the kids, by the way. The kids aren't allowed to drink beer, so, you know. <laughs> Yeah, we'll get that clear. Hello. Lawson Gow and Chris Buckner are the co-founders of Pocket Talk. Thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you, sir. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. <laughs>